Hey y'all, welcome to the Appalachian Overlook, a metaphorical ride up these winding mountain roads where we'll explore topics and questions about what it means to live a good life in Appalachia. My name is Sarah Saavedra and I'll be your host in these conversations, airing here on 90.7 WEHC and also available wherever you listen to podcasts. Today on the show, we've got a treat, an interview with Ben Castile where we talk all things gardening. Stay tuned. So today on the show, we've got Ben Castile. Ben, thank you so much for joining us on the Appalachian Overlook. I'm excited to have you here today. It's my pleasure to be here. Thanks for having me. So we are going to be talking about all things gardening, but specifically how to get ready in the fall for spring. But first, tell us a little bit about yourself and what you do and, you know, kind of what you're interested in. Sure. Um, Well, I am... My main gig is a horticulture instructor and program coordinator at Virginia Highlands Community College. I'm also the vice chair of uh, Appalachian Sustainable Development's board of directors and uh, chair of Washington County Park Authority. Um, Love to play music in a band called The Boys Um, and anything outdoors. Uh, Gardening, of course, is kind of my number one outdoor passion, but like to rock climb, mountain bike, enjoy all the goods that Appalachia has to offer us. There are so many of them. It's hard to pick a hobby, right? So tell me about a new hobby maybe that you've picked up, or maybe it's an old one that you just picked back up recently. Well, I've really been trying to use as much as I get from the garden. So something I've always been into has been cooking, but I've been trying to lean a little more into the preserving. So I'm doing a lot more canning, um, the past couple of years, um, kind of pandemic prep, but uh, <laughs> also just using the bounty that uh, our rich soils have to offer. Well, and that's a really good segue into kind of something I wanted to talk about, and that is like reasons for gardening, right? So obviously, if someone is listening and, and they're trying to get a garden going for the first time, the reason you start a home garden is not to save money. because honestly, when, when you get to a certain scale, that's when, you know, it makes sense, but just a home garden and all the time you spend in preserving, surely, uh, buying a $2 and 50 cent can of spaghetti sauce costs less than the labor and the time you've spent in the garden for, you know, bushel of tomatoes. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and you're, you're totally right there on the scale thing. You know, you have to get to a certain size before it really begins to pay back in dividends. But, um, you know, it depends on what you're growing. There's a a neat neat book out there called, uh, I think it's the $23 tomato, something like that. Nice. And it's basically this gardener's journey of uh, cost accounting, everything that he did to, you know, produce tomatoes in his garden. And he ended up, you know, saying that, all right, it's going to cost me, you know, $20 plus just to get one good heirloom tomato. (laughs) (laughs) But so there are different reasons for gardening then, you know, it, it, thrift, it is really nice to walk out to the garden and not have to go to the store, right, in the middle of the summer. But what do you enjoy most about having a home garden? Uh, Well, the therapy part, you know, it's so therapeutic. We talk about in some of my classes, this uh, kind of elusive career out there of hortotherapy and, you know, using the garden as a way for therapy. And I think that's probably the biggest thing for me is I just love doing it. But um, close second is definitely the flavor. And the flavor difference can be tremendous. 
Um, I kind of quit growing broccoli because it takes up so much space. Yeah. And it doesn't really taste that much better. <laughs> so I'm, I'm with you with that. So let's talk about then, you know, someone who's maybe starting a garden for the first time. What are the best plants to start with, right? That are going to give you the most like exciting flavors and really make a difference and make you excited to have spent all that time in labor growing? Well, I think tomatoes, you know, are kind of like the poster child for the gardener, just because there's so much diversity and you do have to pick the right varieties that work in your setting. But um, when you find that perfect variety, it's just the flavor is unbeatable. Like I, I can't eat uh, grocery store tomatoes anymore because they just can't compare when it comes to that flavor. And uh, tomatoes are a little challenging, can be a little challenging, but I think that that's the best way to learn is to challenge yourself and, and try to grow something that might be a little bit out of your comfort zone. So I sure. would always recommend anybody to start with tomatoes and maybe um, as a companion plant, throw in some basil in there because it's a lot easier, um, give you some gratification. If you're a basil lover like me, it goes perfect with your tomatoes. So um, yeah, for sure. Something hard, something easy. Yeah. And together, a flavor that is unbeatable. Tell us about fall. So when does fall start? When should we start thinking about um, cleaning out our gardens and getting them ready for spring? Well, happy fall, y'all. It's here. We're about a week, a little over a week into fall. September 22nd was the autumnal equinox. And of course, that means that the day length was equal. Um, so 12, 12, pretty much 12 hours of light, 12 hours of darkness. And now the days are dramatically getting shorter until we reach that winter solstice, um, which for our area, that's little under 10 hours of daylight that we get on the darkest day of the year. So um, between now and then, it's, a, it's this kind of game of getting in what you can, really watching the weather to see, you know, what is the best time to harvest what I have remaining in the garden, and then moving to the whole chore of cleanup, which uh, you can never start too early and it's kind of never ending, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's definitely never ending. So this year was kind of rough in the garden. I don't know if it was the weather. Have you heard that from other folks? Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think it was just kind of the Appalachian toss up that we get. <laughs> you can't ever predict the weather. It was a little drier, um, colder when we didn't want it to be cold and warmer when we didn't want it to be warm. So yeah, yeah, it's definitely been a challenge to grow certain crops in the garden this year because of the weather alone. Yeah. So let's talk about, you know, harvesting, pulling up the weeds, maybe collecting seeds. Like what's the first thing that you should do in your garden if you had a garden this year right now? First things first, try to make the best use of the produce that you have. And um, again, kind of watch the weather for when we have our first frost date. Um, generally, that's around October 10th. Um, but looking at the long-term forecast, um, at least for Abingdon, the lows aren't dipping down that far yet. And the past few years, um, we've kind of been watching that first killing frost date on campus, and it's actually been in November. So we get a little bit of extra growing time, but um, that's going to put to end any of your warm season crops. So best thing you can do right now is utilize them to the best extent, your peppers, tomatoes, eggplants. Um, if you have sweet potatoes in the ground, you want to try to plan when you're going to dig those. Um, basically just trying to make the best of all of that first 
Um, and I would always put a plug in for trying to practice some preservation. Um, what is the best way to store some of this stuff? So um, tomatoes, of course, you know, canning is the best way. They have usually have pretty high acid. So you don't have to do much other than do a water bath canning for your tomatoes. Um, peppers, you know, you can cook and then freeze, blanch them and freeze them. There are lots of different things that we can do that can be fairly easy, um, easily done, um, even drying. Uh, I like to get my dehydrator out and uh, have it running almost nonstop sure. as we close to the end of the warm season anyway. Um, so let's talk about then how to clean up all those dead tomato plants and pepper plants that are out there that are just looking real rough. I'm glad you brought that up because um, our tomato plants unfortunately have succumbed to some disease. Mm. And anytime you have disease, you don't want to just um, leave it in the garden, first of all, and um, you definitely don't want to compost it either. Uh, most people's compost piles don't get hot enough to get rid of um, some of these diseases. So best thing you can do with like tomatoes that have, um, whether it's late blight or septoria, cercospora, there's all kinds of foliar diseases that um, really show up this time of year. Um, if you've got those, just go ahead and cut those plants down um, to ground level. Don't worry about pulling the roots up, but I would highly recommend uh, burning them. Or, you know, if you don't have that option, um, bag them and take them to the landfill. I mean, I hate to recommend throwing something else into the landfill, but uh, you really don't want the ability for those spores to breed again and uh, grow next year. So, Anything that is looking really rough, you want to do that. Otherwise, you can, you know, chop it up and throw it in your compost pile. Um, I would recommend rem removing as much refuse from the garden as possible. Um, some of that you can kind of till under into the soil too. Mm -hmm. um, try to avoid anything that has seeds on it um, because it will help them to, you know, be stored in that uh, soil kind of seed bank and grow back next year. Um, but definitely chop it up and compost it so you can reuse it later um, for most of the things that are in the garden. And when you say chop it up, tell us what that means. Well, there's a couple of ways to do it. And yeah. um, probably the easiest way would be to you know, use your lawnmower. And um, I'm lucky because I've got a, a bagger for my mower. And what I'll do this time of year when the leaves start falling is uh, put like a mulching blade on there. So it, it grinds it up real good, puts it in the bag for me, and I can just dump it right onto my compost pile. Um, if you don't have that luxury, though, there's still things that you can do, um, especially on the smaller scale. You can even just take some good pruning shears and just chop them up, um, take a, a blunt object, maybe let them dry out first, but mm -hmm. take a blunt object and just crush them a little bit. That really just speeds up the composting process. That's great. You can also do some uh, sheet mulching too. So if you don't have a, a compost pile, you can always just kind of throw that stuff back out onto the garden. As long as it's not diseased, it's, it's good to go. Um, or I should also say, or if it has a lot of pests on it, um, you want to get rid of those pests before you would leave it there because they will lay their eggs and they'll be back next year. They sure will. I hate squash vine borers. I've just like moved my zucchini and squash plants all over the place. And I think they are finally uh, now everywhere. And so <laughs> if you've got, you know, a small area to garden with and you've moved around pretty much as much as you can with something like a squash vine borer and 
they're there, you know, they're overwintering. Um, do you suggest taking a couple years off then from growing that plant or, or is there some magic bullet I don't know about? That's a great question. And um, the squash flying borers are very difficult because they're flying insects and they can move. So if you have a small garden and you continually have them infesting your plants, um, you don't necessarily have to give up the crop, but you might want to change your planting window. So um, planting later in the season, uh, usually like late June, um, you can start to avoid the time when the adults are flying around and laying their eggs. Um, that's probably the best tip I can give for that. Um, if you have a larger area, sometimes crop rotation helps. Um, if it's a really bad problem, then I would recommend, you know, maybe using some uh, pesticides. I mean, I, and I, I just want to clarify, I always get to kind of pigeonholed as being um, the 100% organic guy, but in my role as a horticulture instructor, I want to try to keep all options on the table. So I'm like 90% organic in my garden. Um, that 10% of the time, if I have a really bad problem, then I'm not afraid to, you know, pull out a pesticide when I know how to use it properly. I should also say, though, that um, I don't even like using the organic pesticides sometimes because they cost money. Right. But if, if you have a bad squash vine borer infestation, um, using something like a spinosad, which is something you can actually get at pretty much any garden store, um, you can actually inject that into the stem of your squash and, you know, kill the, the larva that's in there. So uh, that's something that you, that you might consider if you have a really bad infestation. I do. I just took a note, Ben, because I'm so excited because we eat squash and zucchini. We could eat it every night. Um, what are some good, like, um, things to do in the fall to kind of, uh, get prepared for less weeds and, you know, that kind of thing. Um, one of the things that, I mean, use the, the kind of mechanical side of things. So if you have a tiller um, and you're growing, you know, in ground, I would highly recommend using that to kind of cultivate the weeds and um, rather than pull them out, bury them under the soil. Um, that way you're getting some of those nutrients that the weeds took back. So yeah, I think anytime you have those perennial weeds, I would highly recommend um, spending the time to dig them up. Um, if a grass is green, like a, like a wire grass, especially this time of year, um, it probably is a perennial and um, getting a digging fork or, you know, something like that to, to get in there and actually get that root system all the way out is worth the while to prevent it from coming back next year. Um, for the annual weeds, um, those that make a lot of seeds this year, um, I would uh, take them out and try to burn those seed heads, um, you know. Get a little fun out of your uh, weed problem too. Have a little bonfire with it. Learning how to recognize these uh, weeds at the seedling stage is very important. And um, whenever you get into, I mean, right now, ideally, if you can pull those out and get them as far away from the garden as possible and into the burn pile, mm -hmm. that would be ideal. That's great. So you did mention like mulch layering. So um, tell me some more methods for that kind of thing. Oh, absolutely. I mean, any, the best thing you can do for your soil is keep it covered. Um, you know, nature abhors a vacuum, right? So if it had, if you see bare soil, something will try to grow there, especially the soil that you've worked so hard to make good. Um, weeds like to grow if it's, if it's a blank um, spot. So um 
keep it covered with something, whether that's mulch or, and I mean, anything that you've taken out of your garden, other than those diseased plants or pest infested plants, you know, dry them out, crush them up, put them on the garden. <clears throat> it, or if you're not putting them in your compost pile, take leaves from your yard. Um, I would recommend, you know, if you, if you've got a bagger and a mower, you know, mow over them or maybe mow a pattern to where, to where your uh, leaves are blown onto the garden, if you sure. can do that. Um, any kind of organic matter you can add to the garden is going to greatly improve the soil for next year. And that will just help your plants that you plant grow that much faster and hopefully outgrow the weeds. Um, that's the easiest way to take care of them. But any kind of other mulch source you can find, you know, if you if you see your neighbors starting to bag leaves and toss them out on the curb, maybe just uh, sneak by some evening and uh, <laughs> grab a couple bags. Yeah. Because <laughs> yeah, um, there's no sense in that going to the landfill. But lawn clippings, you know, can can be really good too. Um, the only thing I would avoid is like fresh wood chips. Mm -hmm. um, wood chips in a pile, you know, broken down are okay. But um, if they're fresh, then they'll actually kind of rob the nitrogen from the soil. Okay. Um, and so tell us a little bit about like, how do I even figure out what my soil might need? Yeah, the soil test. Um, and fall is the best time to do that. Um, you can actually pick up a box from our extension office, um, which in Abingdon is uh, there on Plum Alley, uh, kind of behind where the pepper mill is. Um, they'll give you a little soil test box and you want to get like a representative soil sample. So you don't want to just you know, dig it out of one spot. You want to get a bunch of different spots in your garden, mix that all together, um, send it off to Virginia Tech's testing lab. It costs uh, $10 just for the base test, but it's well worth it um, because they'll send back a report telling you how much uh, fertilizer you should um, plan to add. I say that um, fall is the best time to get your soil tested um, for a couple of reasons. One, um, you know, October is on average, our driest month. So your soil being a little bit drier, it's easier for them to test it. Um, easier for you to dig and mix, um, depending on what your soil texture is like. But the big thing is that they're not inundated with soil tests right now. You know, sure. Every March, that's usually when people are starting to send them off. Um, so it takes forever for them to get the results back to you. Um, if you do it in you know, October, then they'll get it back to you pretty quickly. And they'll give you those recommendations. Um, I would also just say you want to check your uh, pH too. That's something to pay attention to um, because it takes a while to change or buffer the pH of the soil. And that's, you know, how acidic or how alkaline your soil is. Um, so if you're going to have to change that, if you're going to have to lower it or maybe bring it up a little bit, it's best to add that kind of stuff in the fall as well. Gotcha. Um, and I'm just going to say for those who maybe have joined us in the middle of this conversation, we're talking with Ben Castile, who's horticulturist over at Virginia Highlands Community College. We're talking about fall gardening and how to get ready for the spring, the things that you should be doing right now. You're listening to 90.7 WEHC. This is the Appalachian Overlook. Maybe you're listening on a podcast app. So thanks for joining us. Um, so Ben, tell me a little bit like I've never planted a cover crop, right? I told you I've done those, the leaves and mulching. What about a cover crop? What's the benefit for that? And is it worth the trouble? I'm glad you asked. Definitely worth the trouble. Um, 
there's all kinds of different cover crops that you can use and different reasons to use them. Um, but like winter rye is, or winter wheat are the ones that we're kind of thinking of planting right now. You still have a window to get those in. And basically it does better than mulch, I think, because it, it's going to hold the soil in place with the roots. And then um, in the spring, whenever you're ready, you can just till that under and you're going to be adding some organic matter, some food for your microorganisms in your soil. Um, I would always recommend considering cover crops any time of the year, um, whether you're trying to attract pollinators or um, beneficial insects. Um, buckwheat is a good one for that. Um, it's also a pretty flower too. Um, also clover, any kind of clover, um, vetch are really good for um, actually getting some nitrogen back in your soil. And um, we kind of briefly mentioned uh, nitrogen earlier and on your soil test, that's one thing that it won't give you um, when, when it gets back because nitrogen is um, used by all plants. Um, it's the most commonly um, supplied and uh, needed nutrient for your for your crops but it's also extremely mobile so it leaches out of the soil quickly so they don't even test nitrogen because um, by the time you get your test back it's probably going to have changed so that's something you always want to plan on adding and cover crops are a great way to do that whether it's clover or vetch so if you're planting a cover crop so it stays there through the winter and then in the spring you're tilling it back into the garden um, is that does that sound about right Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, you can also, if you're, you know, doing raised beds um, or you can't, don't have access to a tiller, you can also just cut it. Um, and you would probably want to do that a little on the earlier side, um, cut it and just kind of let it be the mulch that lives on top of it. Um, and that will kind of eventually kill the, the cover crop itself. So, um, you know, a mower or even taking some pruners out there and, and cutting it down. So if, you, if you've got it in a raised bed, you cut it, what about um, putting some compost on top of that? That would be great, yeah. Or okay. any other kind of mulch too. That'll just help it break down. And compost would be the best because you have those microorganisms in there already that are gonna help feed on it and break sure. it down. Sure, Well, that's awesome. So um, if someone is adventurous and they're, they're feeling like they wanna start a fall crop, is now the time to do that or have we missed our window? Um, our limiting factor in the fall becomes its temperature to a certain extent, but a lot of those crops can actually handle temps down into the twenties. So the other limiting factor is light. And as the days get shorter, um, you know, once we get past that, like 11 hour threshold, um, plants don't really grow that much. They just kind of just stay there and wait until the, the days start to increase after the solstice before they start to grow again. Um, so that's like the end of October. So you, you do have a window right now to get some greens in the ground and get them growing. Um, it's also a good time to plant some other stuff too. Um, perennials are good to go in the ground now to get a little bit of uh, root growth to prepare them for next year. Some overwintering crops like uh, some onions and leeks and uh, bulbs too. So if you like flower bulbs, um, fall is the time to plant. Um, if you like garlic, then uh, go ahead and get it, plan on getting it in the ground before the soil gets so wet that it's not able to be worked. And that's usually kind of a mid to late November when we start getting our winter precipitation coming. 
Excellent. So bulbs are good right now. Um, if you want tulips, now's the time to plant them, right? Any kind of thing like that and other perennials um, that you want to enjoy in the spring. Sounds yes. like. Great. Well, so tell me if out of all of these things we've talked about, if someone only has time to do one thing right now to get their garden ready or finish up fall, what, what would you suggest? Um, it'd be kind of hard to pick one thing, but I would say getting the soil covered. If you can yeah. remove what's there now and just keep that soil covered, whether that's with mulch or a cover crop, um, it'll just help you to, to be able to work the soil that much quicker um, in the spring. Excellent. So if, if we're looking for sourcing seeds um, or even bulbs or anything like that, when is the best time to do that? Because it feels like every spring people are like out of seeds. So when, when do most people start looking at seeds and planning for their spring planting? That's a great question, Sarah. And I'm glad you brought that up because yeah, uh, some of the seed vendors have been either selling out or they didn't have the labor to get their seeds packed in time. So the sooner the better. And as soon as it gets to the point where I'm not doing something in the garden, then I'm planning it. Yeah. So, um, go ahead and get out and plan to um, you know, make like a little garden map with what you want to grow next year. Um, and don't pigeon your, pigeonhole yourself into just thinking about that warm season. Right. Um, spring can be extremely productive. Um, and you can, you know, if you have raised beds, they warm up a little bit quicker. So you can get stuff out sometimes, you know, really early. Um, if you can keep it covered, you can, anytime you have a little window of warm weather, try to get something out and germinated. Um, and that way you're basically getting ahead of those weeds. Um, so I would highly recommend, um, you know, planning now and trying to see what you're going to grow next year and get those orders in as soon as possible. Um, we're talking about bulbs, you know, a lot of uh, stores will have them in stock right now. Um, and usually there's a surplus of, of bulbs to go around. So, uh, I don't think you have to worry about that too much other than the garlic. Now, garlic is something that has been in short supply. Um, and you really want to get in, in, you know, here kind of before mid November. So shop around for your garlic. Um, last time I checked, they had some at uh, Wolf Farm Natural Elements. So, I like to, to support them, but not just because they're uh, great people and have you know, great products, um, but also because, you know, sometimes they select the best garlic out there and you can kind of filter through it and, and get uh, the best looking heads and bulbs. Yeah, for sure. I mean, of course, local uh, places, Wolf Hills Natural Farm or Natural Elements is great. We'll put that link in with some podcast notes. But also um, the farmer's market in the spring, I find to be a great place to find things that I've never even thought of growing sometimes. And I, I feel like they do really well since they are selected by farmers who already know what's going to do pretty well in our area. Yeah, exactly. Yes. You know, lean on that local knowledge that we have. Um, and also, um, when you're thinking about spring, don't forget uh, Virginia Highlands Community College. We have a, a, at least one plant cell each spring, and um, we'll probably try to do two. So we have like an early spring, you know, sell some greens and stuff like that. Um, all the proceeds go to benefiting um, students in the horticulture program. So um, come join us. Yeah, I, you know, I'm there every year. So um, definitely keep an eye out for that. And they can watch the Virginia Highlands Community College Facebook page, or it's the horticulture has their own Facebook page. Isn't that right? 
Yeah, it's uh, Virginia Highlands Community College Greenhouse is uh, our Facebook page. Um, but they're good, um, the regular um, page. And I, we've got an Instagram too, so follow us there. Um, but the community college itself has accounts and they're really good about uh, linking to our plant cells. We have a mailing list too. So if you want to get added to that, um, we'll send you an email whenever we're getting ready to um, open up the sales. And sometimes we'll have some special offers for people on our mailing list too. So, um, Awesome. Well, thanks so much for joining us, Ben. Do you have any, any other tips for uh, someone who wants to get started gardening? Just uh, don't be afraid. Um, jump right in and get growing on any scale that you can, whether it's just a, a container garden on your back porch or balcony, or if you uh, want to go uh, whole hog and uh, get your soil plowed up in your backyard uh, and turn your lawn into a, a food production warehouse, then uh, I would say go for it and just know that we're here to help. So feel free to reach out. Um, you can find my information on the community college's website. Excellent. I'll link it in the podcast notes too. Thanks so much, Ben. I really appreciate it. Thanks for having me, Sarah. Have a great day. Well, folks, if you're listening via podcast, you're in for a treat. We still have time for a song from my playlist, which we didn't have time for, unfortunately, on the radio show. I would love to share with you guys a group called Lark and Poe. You may know them. They are um, gaining popularity. They're an American roots rock band originally from North Georgia, but of course currently based in Nashville. They're often touted as the little sisters of the Allman Brothers, and you'll see why in just a minute. They've also uh, toured as backing musicians for a variety of other bands. My favorite was Elvis Costello, which is how I was introduced to these two. This is their song, Blue Ridge Mountains. I thought it was apt for today. So enjoy and join us next week for another episode of the Appalachian Overlook. Blue Ridge Mountain memories, I gotta get back to my home. Among the ferns and dogwood trees, that's the door where I was grown. Backwoods live and set me free, gotta get back to my roots. This city life is cute. Shake my boots, say, oh my my, sit on my my, getting down to the Georgia clay. Oh my my, sit on my my, drinking sweet tea every day. Oh my my, sit on my my, digging deep is the southern way. Honey, I'm home, I am so glad just to see y'all. Sit on my mind, getting down to the Georgia clay. Oh, my, my, sit on my mind, drinking sweet tea every day. Oh, my, my, sit on my mind, digging deep is the southern way. Honey, I'm home, I am so glad just to see y'all.
sit on my mind, getting down to the Georgia clay. Oh, mama, sit on my mind, drinking sweet tea every day. Oh, mama, sit on my mind, digging deep is the southern way. Honey, I'm home, I am so glad just to see y'all.